John Tartaglia. 15 seconds to curtain, John. Oh, I, I guess I should put on some pants. Uh-oh. Um, striped ones or the regular ones? I'll figure it out. Welcome to 15 Seconds to Curtain, a Muppet fan podcast presented by ToughPicks.com. This is the podcast where Muppet fans talk with notable Muppet fans about, what else? The Muppets. Full disclosure, the audio quality of today's interview is a little touch and go, but rest assured, the issue is on our end and not with your listening device. Thankfully, the audio from our special guest is much clearer than my own. Speaking of which, our guest today is a Muppet performer who's worked with Sesame Street since his teenage years. He starred in the smash Broadway hit Avenue Q and created the Henson Company series Splash and Bubbles. Recently, he produced, wrote, performed, and handled a dozen other jobs for the surprise hit of the year, Fraggle Rock, Rock On. We are extremely proud to welcome John Tartaglia to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, everybody. It's good to Thanks see so you. Thanks so much for doing this. It is so my pleasure. I'm excited to finally sit down with you guys. Great. Uh, well, we, we have a lot to talk about, specifically about Fraggle yes. Rock. Um, but before we get into that, I want to know, John Sartaglia, what do you love about the Muppets? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I think that the first thing that comes to mind is the spirit of, of everyone belongs. You know, no matter how weird you are, no matter how wacky you are, no matter what, how bizarre your act is, whatever it is that you, who and what you are, you, you have a place and you belong and you're part of this family. I think I love that. I've always loved that about the Muppets. That's a great answer. And that totally fits with every franchise underneath that the Henson Muppet Sesame brand. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. They're all like a weird collection of misfits. And yeah, I think that's why I always loved it. I think I was it was like you're right, like Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, Muppets, whatever, whatever you loved the most growing up, like I think they all are based on these wacky personalities. And I think when you grow up, you know, uh, feeling in any way different, no matter what your background is, I think you are searching for that place where you want to feel like you belong. And I think that the Muppets just kind of instantly say, you belong here, you know, you're welcome here. Which I think is, it's, it's not an exclusive team or exclusive uh, group. It's, it's, it's open to everybody. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great answer. Um, so uh, we got to talk about Fraggle Rock. There's so many Fraggle Rock questions I have for you. You've probably been yes. just drowning in Fraggles the last few months. <laughs> Is that accurate? Uh, it is. I mean, I, I, that's the, that's the, uh, I don't know if that's, uh, if I've ever thought of that way of putting it before. I, yeah, I'm buried in, what was it, buried in the rock maybe? Or, or I'm trying to think of like a, a I don't know, a, a covered by doozers? I don't know, I'm trying to think sure. of like a good All, all the above, yeah. All, right, well, all so the above, yeah. Let's start talking about, let's, let's talk about Fraggle Rock, Rock on the, uh, yes. the short form series that was on Apple TV, still is on Apple TV. Yes. So go watch it now. Yes. Um, how did it come to be? Like, was it your pitch? Was it something that came to you from Henson? So we were actually talking with Apple uh, about, you know, how to bring the Fraggles back. That was something that that has been in, in the in the talks for a while. Um, and and you know, when the pandemic happened, the kind of the, the kind of backstory is, is that I had had the Fraggle puppets in my office at Henson um, for another something we were working on, and we shut down a lot very quickly, just like, you know, across the country, it was like almost no notice. It was like, go home, goodbye. And um, I called Hallie Stanford, um, our amazing executive producer and head of television. And I was leaving the lot and I said, I just feel we're leaving the fraggles in my office. I was like, I just, who knows how long it's gonna be. And there was just something in my gut that said I should bring them home. 
put, you know, put aside the fact that I'm the biggest fraggle nerd in the world and to me these puppets are like, you know, the holy grail. <laughs> I was like, I am very protective of them. But I was like, there's just something inside of me that says I should bring them home. So she was like, yeah, bring them home, bring them home. So I brought them home. And then not even like two weeks later, um, you know, I find out that, uh, that Apple gave a call and Apple asked if we could um, think about making some shorts. Uh, if we'd be interested in taking the Fraggle characters, making some shorts to really kind of bring some joy and some relief to these, the families during the pandemic. Um, not knowing that I had the puppets at home and, and not knowing that I happen to have a blue screen and a green screen at home. Um, and so Hallie called the team and we all got on the phone and said, uh, can we do this? And all of a sudden we started realizing we can do this. And so it really was an amazing, I, I kind of believe in things happen the way they're supposed to. It was a meant to be thing. Actually, you know, I think Karen Prell, or I can't remember if it was Karen or Dave, who said like, it really feels a very fraggly thing that, you know, that it just, it's just like the universe worked itself out. That that happened, that that happened to be, the puppets happened to be in my living room and that we happened to get a call from Apple. And, and I have to say, you know, I give Apple so much credit because they, they were the ones who were like, you know, we really want to do this for the families that are watching Apple TV. We want to give them something and what, what a great way to use the, the Fraggles message of community and connection and, you know, everything, so. Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. When you say the word connection, you know, I, I always, whenever anything Fraggle Rock comes about, I always think back to, you know, Jim Henson saying, like, I want to create a TV show that'll bring peace to the world. And, like, the, the world is in desperate need of, yeah. of that connection right now. And exactly. the Fraggles are literally the best brands, the best, especially the best children's brand, to bring that message out. So I, yeah, it's absolutely perfect timing. Yeah, it felt, um, it's funny because it, I didn't think about it until just now, but I, I think it, it felt, you know, uh, like a great responsibility to to not only bring the characters back after so long in a brand new version, all five of them together talking and interacting and living in Fraggle Rock, but also just, you know, for these families, you know, that, because we were, you know, if you, if you rewind back to, it was March, I guess, you know, when, everything started, the conversation started, it was still so scary and new. And this idea of, of, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? And how long are we going to be inside? And, you know, washing our hands 150 times. Like it, everything was just so new and scary. And I think there was something, there was some, there was like a relief that we felt that we were getting to do something proactive and positive that wasn't necessarily about the pandemic, but, but allowed us to show these loving, beloved characters, you know, also dealing with, well, what's it, how do we have fun when we're not all physically together? So um, it was, I think it felt, we felt a great responsibility is the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you, so you had the, the six puppets, the, the Fraggle Five plus Traveling Matt yes. in your, in your yes. position. Um, yes. But not all of the performers got their hands on it. So you had to well, first of all, I'm, I'm curious, how did you get the puppets to the people? Uh, so Karen Prell and Donna Kimball, I believe, had their, their uh, mocap. Donna Kimball, yep. Mm -hmm. yep. That's right. Um, so did you literally just like drive up to their house and, and, <laughs> and like toss a duffel bag across the driveway? Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, um, no we, we were so lucky because our team was so great. So we had this amazing producer named Tim O'Brien who um, figured out very quickly, like, okay, I need to figure out how during this, you know, international pandemic, how to get blue screens, ring lights, and, you know, uh, every uh, uh, audio mics shipped to Karen Prell and Donna Kimball, microphones shipped to Frankie Cordero in Chicago, you know, like shipping stuff all over the place. Um, meanwhile, Apple sent us the iPhones, iPhone 11s, which was awesome. And they were basically like, here, we want this to look beautiful. So 
here's the newest, most gorgeous iPhone. Thank you, Apple. Send, send us all iPhone 11s. Um, and, and Tim really coordinated you know, getting the puppets sent safely to everywhere. Everything had to be picked up and sterilized. And, you know, it's not like we're used to, where you could probably just pick up a puppet and put it in a box and ship it overnight. You know, it was, it, everything took longer. Everything had to be sterilized. Everything had to be very safe, you know. Um, so it was, it was really that coordination that made that happen. Um, and, and, you know, I think Dave talked about this on, on another event that, you know, he really wanted to be safe and, and he felt uncomfortable having the puppets shipped to him for, because at the time there was all that debate about how long, you know, COVID-19 lives on the surfaces of things and it, it's dangerous, you know, so, so he's so trusting and wonderful and, and I've known Dave for a while and he was lovely and, and said, you know, I'm comfortable if you want a puppeteer, you know, boob and traveling map for me. Um, so yeah, so it, it was it was a big logistical, you know, puzzle to figure out, and and the turnaround was very quick. But everyone was so on board. That, I mean, it's funny. It's that fraggly spirit of like, let's do it. Actually, very Muppet, you know, to to your first question, spirit of, okay, let's let's all just put ourselves together. We're gonna make the show happen. Let's put on a show. Here we go. And and everyone just made it work. That's great. So okay, so you performed Gobo, obviously, and so you also did yes. the puppetry for. Wembley Boober and Traveling Matt. Uh, That's right. That means that you were performing characters that were originally, uh, that were originated by Jerry Nelson, Dave Goles, and Steve Whitmire. Uh, did you yes. feel like you no had pressure. to- No pressure. No, none at all. <laughs> no pressure. No uh, pressure did you feel like you had to change the, the actual puppetry style for each character? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I was saying to Hallie, like in the middle of production, um, I said, you know, because Fraggle Rock, and, and you know this, and I'm, I'm sure several of your listeners know this, but you know, Fraggle Rock is the reason why I wanted to be a puppeteer. It was my childhood obsession. And I mean obsession. Like I, you know, we didn't have a VCR to record back then, but like I rented every single video I could get from Blockbuster. I, you know, would audio record with my mom's like, you know, giant <laughs> old tape recorder. Every episode, listen to the audio and try to imitate. I would build Fraggle puppets. I would take my radio control cars and put doozer action figures in there and build doozer trails. I mean, I, I was so in love with the show. And so my nerd knowledge of the show goes beyond just knowing the episodes. It, it, it was studying Karen Prell and Jerry Nelson and Steve Whitmire and Dave Goles and Kathy Mullen and everyone, you know, Richard Hunt. I mean, all of their puppetry styles in a, in a weird way were very familiar to me to the point where like I could almost watch an episode and figure out who was puppeteering which background fraggle you know or which one-shot character just based on the way they were moving so so in some weird way my my brain stored that and so when i had to without any warning pull that out there was some familiarity and it's hard i mean you're not just imitating a character you're imitating someone's physical intuition and their movement and and you know and some of some of it's the puppet i mean like wembley is I know I remember when you guys did like the unboxed episode of Topics. You guys, you know, Raleigh was talking about how gorgeous that mouth is. It is. It's one big piece of rubber with yeah. that beautiful nose. So, so I mean, some of it's just like the way the puppet moves. But, um, but yeah, it was really. I I did my best. It's hard, but I did my best to stay true to everyone's style. Um, and especially Jerry's. I always feel like that's 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 such an important part of Gobo. Um, is getting that that manipulation style right. And um. So yeah, so but it was it was definitely it was there was it was definitely a, a, an unexpected. It was like almost like a, a puppetry uh, uh, like like Indy five hundred. It was just kind of like okay, we got around the track with Uber. All right, now we're gonna do Wembley. Go like you know. But wow. I love that. I, I love that kind of challenge. Yeah, it was really fun. 
Oh, and it's got to be doubly difficult because you're, I assume you're lip syncing to, or I don't know if you call it lip syncing, but you're syncing to someone else's audio track. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing. So, so the way that we would shoot this is that um, once we had the script ready, we would have a, like a Zoom morning call um, on the day of production, our production day. Mm -hmm. And we would get on the phone with all the, all the performers would get on the phone, everyone from Henson, um, our director, Jason, um, our sound designer, our lighting designer, everybody. And we basically meet and talk about, okay, how are we all, how are we all gonna do this? How are we all gonna individually shoot this or do this? Um, and then once we had a plan, uh, Karen and Donna and I would go off and start to, to, to film our own character stuff. And then Dave and Frankie would usually work with Jason, our director, on their audio record. And they would record their audio, do it in takes. And then they'd have to, you know, put that down, upload it, and then send that to, to me. And then I would lip sync to it. And, um, you know, the hard thing is usually when you're, when you're filling in for someone else's character, you know, either you're getting a track of pre-records at least the night before, so you have 24 hours usually to listen to stuff and get it down, or you do the lines and then they, they match. So it was kind of, you know, it was definitely a, a test of how quick can we be that I'd get a, you know, a batch of lines from Dave and then have like, you know, three minutes to go over it in my head and just do it. So, wow. you know, it was a lot of, a lot of bad takes that will <laughs> hopefully never see the light of day of me missing lip sync big time. But, um, but it, again, you know, it's funny. You just, you just, you just have to do it. You just kind of go, okay, this is, this is the gig, this is the job and this is what we got to do. Let's do it. You just, you know, pull your boots up and go. Yeah, for sure. Oh, were you involved at all with the casting for uh, Donna Kimball and Frankie Cordero as Moki and Wembley? I was, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, it was cool. It was really cool to be part of it. You know, I, I, um, I, I'm, I, I, I'm so protective of the characters um, because I know their, their, their voice so well and also because they mean so much to me. And, and I have to say that, you know, Henson's been so wonderful because they're so trusting of that with me and they, they support that, that, you know, I, that's the thing I, I appreciate so much about the Jimensa company is the character integrity. Um, they really believe in, in, in staying true to that as much as possible. And so there was a, it was, it was very important to Lisa Henson and Hallie and myself and everybody that, you know, we got as true to those characters as possible, you know, and um, it, and it, it was really kind of exciting to see Donna come in and Donna is such an incredible voice match you know if you obviously you've seen her work as Agra in the Dark Crystal Lake which is mind-blowing oh absolutely um, and yeah. it's such a good yeah it's crazy and such a good singer and, and she's such a good puppeteer and she she just kind of came in and had that right away and Frankie who I've known forever um you know just just walked in and had that Wembley besides having the, the great manipulation and the great um the great energy he just had that that vulnerability for Wembley which is so important so it was, but it was definitely an honor to me to be able to be a part of that. And I, I definitely felt that like, that Fraggle fan weight on my shoulder of like, you are, <laughs> you are a part of the next legacy of the show. Do not mess it up because the fans are, no, they will be watching. Because that's me too. I'm a fan too. So, so. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was, it was, it was cool to be part of that. It was cool to be part of that. Yeah. Well, I remember talking to you a few years ago after you, you had just started doing some Gobo stuff. And I think, I mean, I, I don't think we asked you this on the record, so, you know, sorry, but uh, we, uh, I think, I think we had asked you, you know, are you, um, does this mean you're just Gobo now? Like, are you like officially recast as, as, you know, the official performer? And your answer was kind of like a noncommittal, like, well, we'll see. Cause I mean, at the time we didn't know if there would be more 
Fraggle stuff coming, yeah. but now it's been it's been years, and I know there hasn't been a whole lot of new Fraggle stuff. But you know, you did some stuff yeah. for the Hub Channel, and you did some, mm. some promotional stuff, and now you've got a series, and now you've got another series coming up, and it's like that's pretty much it. You're you're just you're just Gobo now. So I, mean, I, I imagine yeah. that the 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 pressure of casting new people as as the Fraggles is like well that's you're you're not just casting for this one project you're you're hopefully going to be casting for you know you know for, for the know, decades of Fraggle hopefully there's decades worth of Fraggle stuff yeah no I mean and, and obviously you know you know the series has been announced which is so exciting so that's that's the that's the, the big like the biggest Fraggle thing and the movie's still in development so the movie will hopefully happen at some point oh that's good to know um yeah you know I mean I think it's it's definitely there, there is a weight to that, and 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 um, you know, Fraggle Rock is such a funny animal because part of the reason why that show worked so well, and the reason why those characters felt so real to all of us, and we all feel so into them, is because they were a family, they were a team, and they all complemented complemented each other, not just as as characters, but as performers. You know, it was such a beautiful blend of styles and strengths and weaknesses and techniques and. And, ever, and talents and everything. So I think that that went into it too, was like, you know, knowing Donna's a phenomenal singer, knowing Frankie can, can break your heart with the scene. It was like, okay, how is all that gonna fit together with this new team? Um, you know, and I think, I think the reason why I probably answered that as I did about Gobo is because first of all, it's still mind blowing to me. Like I still don't right. really process it. Like I, I can honestly say like, and I'm not just saying this for, for the purposes of this interview, it's the truth. Like you can ask my boyfriend, he was here when I was shooting stuff. Like I would have the puppet on and I'd be like, what do you mean Gobo? Like yeah. I, it, it still doesn't really feel real. Um, yeah, you know, when I was a kid and I wanted to work on, I wanted to be a puppeteer for sure, but I wanted to be a puppeteer on Fraggle Rock. You know, that was, that was my dream. And back in the eighties and nineties, when I was growing up, you know, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you, they didn't revive television series. That just didn't happen. It was like, once the show was done, it was done. So. I just never thought it would happen. And, and I think I was scared to even say, you know, everyone at Henson was so wonderful and they were like, oh, you know, back when I was starting to do things with Gobo, they'd be like, oh, you're doing such a great job. And I knew it wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I, you know, being a theater actor, especially where, you know, things happen, you get replaced in the next reading or you get replaced in the next production. <laughs> I was like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna be thankful for what this is right now and keep working really hard at trying to get better and better. And then hopefully I'll get to continue to do it. But um, but now I can feel confident in saying that I get to be Gobo and, and um, definitely having, you know, Dave Goals and Karen Prell, uh, you know, uh, give me that confidence that, that they feel like I'm doing a good job. That felt pretty good. So I'm, I, I'll take that sure. in. When Dave yeah. Goals says that you're, you're doing a good job, I was like, I will take that. <laughs> uh, you, you must have worked a few times with Jerry Nelson, you know, back on Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah um, the first few years on Sesame Street, I worked with him for quite a bit. Uh, did you pick up anything from him? You know, any any notable puppetry lessons, anything like that that, that you're taking on with uh, you know with you to performing Gobo? You know, it's funny, Jerry. Jerry really was a sage. I mean, he was kind of he kind of was a I would say a combination of like Marjorie the Trash Sheep, Gobo, and Floyd all mixed <laughs> into one. But 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 also, you know, like we all are parts of our characters, but also. Emmett Otter and Robin, like, I mean, he was, the, the physical image I have of Jerry was in, in our old studio at Sesame Street. We had this thing called the Muppet Room where all the Muppet performers would hang out. You know the Muppet Room. And um, the one, the one, yeah, I've been there a couple times. And the one, 
downstairs, where we used to shoot downstairs stage at Kaufman Astoria, was this little teeny, like, closet room. I mean, it was so teeny. And um, I just remember the image I get when I think about Jerry is Jerry sitting in the corner. He always sat in the same chair in the corner, usually with his guitar, usually dressed in black, and just, like, playing his guitar. And he'd maybe say a couple funny lines here or there to people. And, or, you know, and he was this kind of quiet... Uh, presence, you know, and he wasn't someone who ever I can say was like, hey, John, try it this way. He wasn't that kind of a teacher. He was more of a teacher, at least for, for me, he was more of a teacher by example. Um, you know, the way he would, he, he, the way he would, how professional he was on set, the way he would interact with directors and the camera folk, and he just had a really wonderful gentle way about him. And I think the thing I remember most about him is, is music. There was just always, I feel like, you know, he was working on his album at the time, True Dreams, and he it's was, he was yep. just always, yeah, such a good album, right? He was always singing, always, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it's funny. I, I think that that, he was Gobo, you know, he was yeah. Gobo. He was a, a natural leader, you know, uh, uh, confident in a very, be in a beautiful way, musical, um, uh, awed by life. I mean, I just, I think he was, um, he was an amazing man. And, and I think that that's what I've learned the most, you know, diving into the history of the show and getting to work to, uh, to talk with Jocelyn Stevenson and some of the folks who created the show is how much Gobo was Jerry and how much mm -hmm. it was written for Jerry's strengths and skills. The way doing Gobo now is doing, is having to somehow tap into that part of Jerry, which is really, it's hard. I mean, I mean Jerry, that's just who he was. It was naturally who he was. So it's, it's, um, but that's what I think about when I think of Jerry. So I, I and I did, I feel like I got to right hand for him a, a couple of times and he was just so patient and lovely. And, you know, he'd be like, oh, maybe try it this way. I mean, he just wasn't, he just wasn't a, um, he wasn't a big talker, I guess, mm -hmm. is the Jerry that I, I got to know. That's great. That's nice. I like that. Um, so the, uh, I mean, obviously you filmed everything uh, for Fraggle Rock. Uh, rock on in your home, but the the second episode, yeah. the Cave of the Silly Creatures, you, we really got like a tour of your house. Um, that's one for for people who've watched where Traveling Matt just kind of like wanders into somebody's house, and and you know, I guess that's that's like classic Traveling Matt. Yep. That's, what he, that's what he used to do. Uh, so, no boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and you also like make a cameo yourself in in that one. Um, I do. Yeah, that's, that episode is really funny to me because uh, it was, you know, when, when, so, so we knew we wanted to do a traveling that episode and we knew we wanted to kind of, I think that one actually out of, out of all six of them hints at the pandemic the most in the mm -hmm. sense of like, because you're seeing our world. Um, right. yep. And we just, we just love, you know, we've been talking for a while about like, what would traveling Matt think about the world now? You know, I remember we did kind of a, a, a test, a, te a test, a few I guess it was a, almost a year or so ago, where I took Traveling Matt out here in Hollywood and like shot just photos of him at, like at the Apple Store, at oh, the cool. beach on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and yeah. trying to find like like at, at front of a Starbucks, like like trying to find like contemporary things just to see like. And we realized there was like this treasure trove of of new technology and new things that are our our new normal as humans that he'd be fascinated by or confused by really. Um, anyway, so so we knew we wanted to put Traveling Matt into the into the shorts and. I was writing this. I was like, you know, Traveling Matt enters the silly creature's home and I'm writing it down and 
Uh, by the way, I love that I, I do, I don't know if, you, if people can see me or not on this, but like I'm like making like the pe the pen writing thing when I say write, when I never, which I don't do. I right. type. I, I, I noticed you, this for you like dipped your quill into the ink before you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you're just missing me like, like putting it on my tongue. Yep. Um, but, but I was typing, writing, uh, and, and I, I, you know, everyone loved the idea of, oh, it's so funny that he thinks that the, you know, the water thing in the refrigerator is a waterfall. Everyone loved the idea of he gets stuck in the cat tower and all this stuff. And then it occurs to me, because of course I was writing for what's in my apartment, right. but it occurs to me like, oh, I just shoot this. Like by myself, essentially, my boyfriend, thank God, was, help, was helping me, but like, you know, I don't, there's no crew, <laughs> there's no props master. Oh, I did do that. Uh-oh. Like, you know, and, and it's a, it was a lot to do in one day, but um, then it just became fun. But, but it really, it was the hardest thing we shot because it, it was, it was all real. It all had to work. It all had to be, you know, it was about the, the losing light. At one point, I was like, oh my, I was like panicked calling our producer, Tim, being like, I can't shoot this today because we're losing light and the sun's setting and it's not working. He's like, okay, shoot in the morning, shoot in the morning. Like, you know, there was, there was so much, uh, so many things you just don't deal with usually and you don't have to worry about as a performer. But um, it was really fun. It was really fun. I, I'm most proud of the fact that our puppy, let's see, now he's 10 months old. At the time, he was like nine months or, or a little less. And, uh, you know, still learning many things. I was so unbelievably proud when he nailed the kissing traveling map thing on the nose every oh. single time. I was like, I was like, we're putting this dog in show business. Like, I yes. did not expect that to work out. I, I thought that would be the thing that would take forever, but it was one of the easiest things he did. So. Well, and thank God he didn't bite. When you were filming uh, outside with Traveling Matt, did you get like a lot of weird looks from your neighbors? <laughs> I did, and you know what's funny is a lot. Of, it was that is that funny thing people do where they 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 figure something out and they recognize. I guess this must be like what a celebrity feels like. They they would like see him, and you know a lot of people like on walks and stuff like that uh, with their with their husbands or wives or whatever. And you'd see them kind of, especially if you were the right age group to have grown up with Fraggle Rock you'd see them kind of like look over and acknowledge and then like look back at their husband or wife and say something and then look back and then both try to be really cool but keep looking back. And um, so that was kind of fun. It was just, you know, and, and the, the most fun thing was uh, I have a neighbor across the street who I had never met before, but one of the episodes I used the front of their, uh, their apartment complex as the background for Traveling Matt. And uh, he came out as I was filming and, and usually Devin, my partner, was with me, helping me film, but he had to run inside to grab something. So it was just, and I realize now like how bizarre this must have looked, but it's just like me with my iPhone 11 and my tripod and like holding traveling mat under my arm with like the other phone that has like Dave Goals' line deliveries on it. Like what a weird visual in the middle of this pandemic. There's this guy hanging out inside of your, your apartment complex with a puppet under his hand. And um, he was like, hello. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Hi, and he was like, "Are you John Tartaglia?" Oh, <laughs> I said, I was like, "Yes." He's like, and turns out, turns out he he listens to my my radio show on Sirius uh, XM, yeah, which was awesome. But I'm holding a puppet, and it was bizarre. That he's like, "Is that traveling?" <laughs> It's like yes, it is. And he's like, okay. Like he was trying not to dig in and, and, and you know ask too much, but he was also, what's happening in front of my apartment building right now in the middle of this you know pandemic? But um, but yeah, a lot of people would recognize him, and I love that. I love seeing people kind of do like their triple takes. Like is that traveling, Matt? Yeah, that's great. I, I also have to assume, like, I mean, you're in LA, so there must be people doing weird stuff outside literally all the time. Everywhere. I guess so. I guess that's probably true. It's probably not that abnormal, but to me, it is weird that I'm, you know, like, 100%, it's still yeah. that, ner like, that nerdy 
kid who wanted to be a puppeteer who like felt like he needed to still be cool in high school. There was a little bit of that like that came out. Like I kind of relived those feelings of like the yep. loser with the puppet on his hand. Yeah. So I, 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 but then I was like, you know what? I'm proud. I'm traveling that on my hand. I'm gonna live, live the stream. I mean, this is this is a very different kind of story. But my my wife is an actor, and she was um, doing a photo shoot. Uh, it was in our neighborhood. This is, this is obviously before. Oh, okay. But she, it was in our neighborhood, and for the shoot, she had to go basically in front of a brick wall at, uh, outdoors. Okay. And um, I'm gonna over, overly simplify it, but she had basically pour blood <laughs> or what looked like blood on her. Oh my god! And gosh. you know, the photos look amazing, but then they're like. Uh, in the middle of Brooklyn on the, like on, on a street and she, there's not like she can jump in the shower. So she just had to oh, go home no. mud, and just assuming like people are going to give me weird looks. It's going to be a whole thing. And nobody batted an eye at her because it's New York and there's, you know what? All everywhere. you had to say was New York. Yeah, <laughs> it was exactly. New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, eh, it's, it's like Rizzo and the Muppets take my hand. Eh, it's New York. I mean, yeah, it's so true. We say that all the time, literally <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so speaking of celebrity, you, you got to write some celebrities into, uh, into these episodes, which is super yeah. exciting, but was it weird for you? Because we've never, we've never seen celebrities interact with the Fraggle Rock characters. You're kind of, you know, obviously you had to invent a whole way to incorporate them into the story, but also just kind of justify their, their existence in, you know, in a franchise that's never had that before. So was that, was that weird? Yeah. Was that challenging for you? It was, and it was, it was again, you know, because there's so much respect for the canon and for, you know, what's come before. I mean, you know, something that I never realized, um, you know, as a kid, but now looking back once, once Dave and Karen mentioned it, and I was like, oh yeah, I never thought about that, um, is the fact that, you know, the Fraggles, even back in the day, in the heyday of the series when it was on, never did publicity. You never saw Red or, or Gobo or Wembley on the Today Show or, you know, on the Tonight Show or whatever. You know, it was like, there was always that, that true to the idea that this is a, a magical world, that it's separate, that, you know, they really say true that every now and then you'd see Traveling Matt appear some, somewhere. Yeah, I can and think, I think like on like two or three examples, maybe, maybe that. Very rare. And I think, yeah. I think one of them is like, I think Cotterpin even shows up. Like, yep. Match, really kind of <laughs> yeah. Fun. And even and, that with Traveling Matt and Cotterpin, I think we're thinking of the same one. I want to say, I mean, I'm doing this without, without double checking but i want to say that was from like the early 90s i feel like that was like it was after. yeah it was yeah. when it was when the the the, the new vhs's came yeah out. right and, that was it yeah and so it's oh, look at me i'm like oh, actually it was 1993 <laughs> um, but, but the nerd the nerd kicked in but um yeah it was so rare and so so we talked a lot about that about you know how do we Look, you know, and and, the, and you want celebrities involved because it obviously brings so much awareness to it. And and what is really amazing about Fraggle Rock is is the um, the unbelievable amount of celebrities who love the show, especially musical celebrities. They just, it's such a, I think all musicians of a certain age and on know Fraggle Rock and are like, that's the show. They love that show. So it wasn't, it, it, was, it was, it was more about figuring out how to stay true to the, the characters and the story. And that's kind of where the idea of the Doozer Tube came up was, well, you know, we, we wanted some way to to suggest what, what, you know, video conferencing is nowadays in a very fraggly way that doesn't break the rules. So that's why I felt like the doozers could do that because the doozers are so inventive and they are more technically driven, or technologically driven than the problems are. And then it was like, well, wait a minute, if we, if we have this doozer tube and we're going off the idea that it's more of a sound thing as opposed to just a visual thing, then 
they can have conversations with silly creatures and have no idea that they're silly creatures. And all of a sudden it felt like, oh, we can kind of keep this, that world still very true. Um, and, I, and I also love that the magic, you know, I think one of the most magical episodes in the entire you know, series is when Doc finally meets Gobo. Mm-hmm. And that, that human fraggle connection, like, I mean, I still get goosebumps thinking about that moment. And so, you know, we couldn't do that, obviously, because we don't have 96 episodes worth of time to develop that. But we were like, well, what if we, you know, had a moment where Gobo Wembley realized they're talking to a silly creature. Like, that's, that's the most exciting thing in the world to a fraggle, right? That you're breaking the barrier. It'd be like us talking to an alien. You know, it's the coolest thing in the world. So, so we just, you know, and these are, these are shorts. There's not a whole lot of time to get a lot of story in there. But it felt like that was the best way to involve the celebrities, keeping them the celebrities, keeping the fraggles in their world. There's still a connection, which is very true to the series, that they're still finding a way to connect, even though they're apart, but not doing something where like all of a sudden you see Common hanging in the caves with Gobo. Like right. that, that just would have been weird, you know? Yeah. And it just, that's just not true to the show. So there was a lot of discussion though about like, how do we do this within the, within the realm of the world you know, and stay true to it? Yeah, and it does feel to me like, um, you know, like you say, you know, there's this amazing story arc that uh, from this original series that ends with Gobo and, and Stuck having this this really touching and memorable moment. But it's also uh, almost like a continuation of, you know, now that they know that silly creatures, you know, are, are out there, they've, they've acknowledged it, they've yes. interacted with them. And also, you know, a lot of time has passed, you know, at least for, for us it has. And on our end technology has changed a bit it's like what like what is the next step in the you know the silly creature fraggle connection and you know it makes sense well, it's, it's, like a user tube yeah and it's funny because i i you know i read the tough pigs forum and i i some i forget someone was like you know this would never have happened the celebrities would have never connected and, and you know what i what i come from is is again i'm a big big believer in protecting canon a big believer in staying true to characters i think that that's vital i think that's the, when the most successful work comes is when you stay true to the character um but you know if you if you do go off of the end of frag rock the original series they they did realize that there were other ways to get into you know outer space and they did kind of all five of them brave that connection you know if you remember that last wonderful episode with doc in the in the desert you know they all five of them come through the hole and end with sprocket and doc so we kind of were like okay so that it's not out of the world that Red would talk to a silly creature, Mogi, you know. Um, and again, we didn't want to put them in a physical place. I mean, also because obviously the message of this series was that you can be apart and still connect. But, um, you know, I, I loved, I, I got really excited as we were getting to the finale of like, what, how would Red play rock hockey over essentially Zoom? Or how would, right. you know, how would Mogi do, how, what, what techniques would, would Mogi share in her Zen practices with, you know, Ziggy Marley. It was fun to think about like what are the wackiest things we could put these characters in and how can we show the fraggle world to the silly creatures. So it 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 felt I'm proud that we were able to still stay true to, you know, what came before, but also kind of expand a little bit because you have to, yeah. you know. But um, but yeah, so so it was and and you know, I just want to say really quickly, all of those celebrities were like geeking out. Like <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, I'm sure that there's you know, uh, behind the scenes footage somewhere that will surface at some point, but like Tiffany Haddish lost her mind talking to Red and Gobo. Like it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And she came in with like her red pigtails and she was like, I'm going to get red Like she was losing her mind. And it was so wonderful to see that. And Alanis Morissette, who I was the biggest fan of growing up, like I geeked out about working with Alanis Morissette. Oh, I bet. You know, I had Gobo. I, oh my gosh. 
I drove on and her kids were there. I was talking to her kids and she was getting all emotional. She's like, I'm talking to Fraggles. Like, I was like, I know, like, it, it's, it's really wonderful. Like you just, to see these icons, these huge stars, just be reduced down to like their eight year old self watching the Fraggles, you know, it's, yeah. it was, it was really cool. I mean, we, you and I see that all the time whenever there's, there's a Muppet of any, from any of the big franchises, like people just, I mean, like some, like, it's like that, that piece of their brain, you know, from 20, 30 years ago, just kind of shoots from the back of their head to the front and they just become children again. It's always a hundred percent. Well, you know why? Because I, I really believe this because people say, well, why puppets, right? People always ask this question, why puppets? Mm-hmm. And we say, because I, I, I think it's the last magic that exists that, we, that you can't actually formulate why. Like mm. there's just something about puppetry that is primal because it's not animated and it's not a special effect and it's yep. not a layer. It's not a, it's a physical thing that's there. You know, like, like picking up Gobo, the puppet, it is Gobo. Like, it is him. It is yeah. the puppet that I stared at as a child, and now he's physically in front of me. And I think it's the same thing as adults. Like, we, you know, when, when, when I'm sure you've seen it a million times, when someone meets Big Bird or someone meets Ernie or Cookie Monster, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's physically, they are real. You know, right. they, they may not be humans, they may not be live flesh and blood creatures, but they're real in the sense that they physically exist and they're, they're something that we, lock away and we trust and so i don't know yeah it's it's a very it's 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 a really unexplainable thing that i think i think it's magic is what it is it is magic and and you're 100 right i mean when when we were kids you know when there wasn't a lot of animated stuff specifically for for you know made for preschoolers um i mean i was a big fan of all the different puppet shows you know obviously especially sesame street but um but yeah there's something about uh, the fact that I could walk out my door and I could run into this character. Like I could, I could yeah. go to an event and they could be there and they could talk to me. Yeah. You can't get that from, you know, Dora the Explorer or, you know, uh, I don't know Curious George or whatever it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's something that we've been talking a lot about specifically with Sesame Street doing their, um, all the great work that they're doing right now in quarantine because yeah, most preschool brands can't put that content out there. They can't be as timely. They can't be as personal. But Sesame Street, because they're physical yeah. puppets, because all we got to do—I mean, I'm making this simpler than it really is—but all we got to do is put the puppet on your hand, put it in front of a camera, have them say something. No, it's get that on YouTube twenty I mean, minutes later. I mean, that, and that's basically what, yeah, that's exactly right, and that's why we were able to turn these Fred Rock shorts around so quickly. And you know, I I remember it's funny. I I remember going to Disney World when I was like. You know, I think it was in 1991, so I'm scared. I don't. I was at 10 or 11, but I remember it was it was when Muppet Vision 3D had just opened, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it was like the first thing I wanted to see besides like the Country Bear Jamboree because I love the Country Bears. We could do a whole other podcast about the Country Bears, <laughs> but I I I was so excited to see Muppet Vision 3D, and I think part of and I remember sitting there just in awe of of I think I saw it like four times in a row because I felt like. I was there with the Muppets. Now, obviously, the majority of that is on a screen, but the Sandler Waldorf animatronic and the Bean Bunny, they look exactly like the puppets, and they look, they move the way the puppets do. So it was like, to your point, like, I think that's why Jim wanted to do animatronic versions of the characters. He was so excited about the parks for that reason, because you wouldn't have to make, how do you take this animated character and make it look, you know, as an animatronic? The puppets are they just work that you just instead of a hand being inside it's a robot arm you know it's it's amazing how so i don't know i guess that 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 you just made me think about that about like that that first time you're around the henson characters whether they're animatronic or they're live or whatever it's like it is them you know it's it's so it's it's just it's a really cool thing 
It really is. And I think that's why, uh, you know, thinking about Disney World now, uh, the animated <laughs> characters, the Disney characters actually lend themselves relatively well to being like costume characters because I think because kids yeah. and adults, you know, want to see like, oh, it's Mickey Mouse and they're here with me. But it doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. You can't take a physical character and turn them into an animated one to make it more interesting or cheaper or to do, you know, crazier stuff on, on you know, in their TV yeah. show or whatever it is, because you took something that was so special and you kind of, I don't know, you, you de-homogenized it. I'm probably not using that term right, but you, you get the, you get the clue. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah, sure. No, it's, uh, you know, it's true. It's, there's something about wanting things to be right in front of you. And yeah. it's, 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 uh, and knowing that you could, it's like Yoda, you know, like knowing that Mark Hamill was actually holding Yoda there's yeah. something, or you know that, your eye knows that, and it's organic, and, and, and you just, you know the difference between that and when it's just a, a, a flat animated thing. It's, right. You just do. You, you yeah, that, you're absolutely right. That's what happened. They, they did those, you know, some of those prequel movies with Yoda, and they made them CG, and nobody cared. But then they did you just don't care, yeah. on The Mandalorian, and I know that they were talking about, like, should we animate it? Should we do the puppet? And then obviously they end up using the puppet, and that's, man, if, they, if that would have been a CG character... We wouldn't be talking about Baby Yoda right now. I'll tell you that. I think so. I think so. And I think I think there is something. There's a there's a it's like the uncanny valley thing. There's a primal thing where you know, mm, yeah. even if you can't put your finger on it, you know that it's not quite right, not quite yeah. real. And I think that I think that we pick up on that. Yeah, totally. You're totally totally right. So I, I imagine that you can't tell us a whole lot about the upcoming Fraggle Rock series. I, I'm just uh-huh. I'm just guessing. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, gorg, a gorg might come and crush me if I tell you too much, but yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I can even ask you because assuming <laughs> you really tease us, I, I assume, um, that you, you are hoping that we will get doozers and gorgs for, for the new show. Um, yes. Great. Yes. That's good to know. Um, and, it, and it is, I know that there were some questions out there about, uh, uh, you know, it, it is puppets, it is live action, it's puppets, it will be, it, it will be, you know, uh, uh, you know, you will see the fraggles as you've known them before, it's not going to be a, a world of, you know, animation or CG fraggles or things like that, it'll be the puppets as you know them, the characters great. as you know them. That's great. Do you, uh, do you think that you're going to have to start uh, production while you're still in quarantine, or do you think this is something that we're just going to wait until you can get all, all the performers in one room at the same time? Well, oh, oh, yeah, and I mean, I, I, our goal is that we will be able to shoot all together in a studio setting the way that the way that the show needs to be. You know, um, you know, for the series, we we want to we want to go back down into Fraggle Rock, and we want to be, you know, in those caves in that world. So, um, you know, our our hope with the way that we're tracking production is that it will be able to shoot all together. We'll be we'll be able to to shoot, uh, hopefully, way past quarantine is the hope. Um, right. But we we started we started we we started you know pre production development, and we're just we're just kind of getting going and. You know, it's it's surreal. It's really surreal. Oh, it's I bet super it is. Surreal. Yeah. <laughs> you um, are, are you surreal. expecting like twenty-two minute episodes, or are you gonna keep it short form? Um, they will be uh, half-hour episodes. Right. I think I can say that. Um, and yeah, so so it will, and it it will be um, they'll be adve- you know they'll be epic adventures the way that the way that the original series was. It'll it'll be it'll be it, it won't, it'll be a same. It won't be. I should say this. I guess it it won't be a different. Um, storytelling type, you know, it won't it won't be like the shorts which were to camera and were very, you know, they were very much designed for that purpose. Yeah, of course. It'll be yeah. much more story based. The story based like the original. Right. Well, I, I have a million questions about the show, and I, I 
won't even bother to to get a, a no comment. <laughs> It kills me because I want you know that the nerd, like the, the puppet nerd in me and a fan wants to tell you everything. And I'm like sitting here, I can feel like Nicole and Henson right now. Who's not even on the call. I can feel her just being like, what are you doing? Uh, no, I, I totally understand it. I'm going to play ball for now. But just uh, just so you know that I am very excited. Yes, I am like no, as, as excited as you are to tell me things. Like I'm like vibrating with the fact that I, I, I'm hoping very much so that, and we'll have to figure this out, but I'm hoping when we're in production that you'll be able to come to the set and, and get to see stuff and, and we can, you know, maybe give you guys a little secret behind the scenes tour. Cause it, you know, I think, I think every puppet fan, even if you don't know Frag Rock that well, I feel like every Henson puppet fan, you know, there's something about, there's so few, you know, first class premium puppet series being made. And this show to me, you know, took everything that, that Jim learned for The Muppet Show, everything Jim learned for The Muppet Movie, from Dark Crystal, from Emmett Otter, from all that, all that glorious production and kind of filtered it all into one half hour television series. And, um, you know, like just breaking things down now and going back and going through the archives and going through stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's amazing the, the depth of care and commitment and, um, I don't, I don't even know the word, I guess commitment that, that went into making this show feel more than just um, a show. I mean, it was a world, they created a world. And I mean, there's stuff in the, in the archives that, that I, the geek in me wishes I could, I could share with you, but like, where I'm like, they took the time to make a list about this. Like they, it was incredible. Like the amount of, amount of uh, just, just love, I guess, that was put into the show and, and care to make it feel like a world. And I think that's why we all are still talking about it and why we can still watch an episode and go, did you see the doozers in the background? You know, and which I'll give you one, one fun fact. We had a, a meeting with all the, a lot of the original creators and we had some of the guys who worked on the doozers um, and they were talking about the fact that they would just like, you know, create storylines for the doozers in the background, you know, that weren't in the script. But wow. they would just like hook up the doozers to be building something, something. And then they actually tracked the shot, the, the, the production shot, so that they would, you know, as the episode went on, you'd see more and more of something being built, or you'd see, you know, a background fraggle destroying it by accident or something like that. I mean, there's so much depth and thought that went into creating a community and a world, and that's why I think it feels so rich. And so we're definitely like, okay, you know, to, just to start, we have to honor that level of commitment. The, the show has to live up to that. Yeah, the and bar is very high you. for you. <laughs> the bar is very high. So I probably won't sleep for the next two years of my life. So you, if you interview me again in two years and I have the Starbucks coffee and it's like giant more than a venti, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you're working on this. I mean, someone who really feels passionate about this. And, and again, like, you know, it was a TV show that was designed to bring peace to the world. And, and we need it now more than ever. And, you know, maybe, maybe this time it'll work. Well, you know what? It's 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 really cool. I, I think Karen Prowl uh, and I were talking about this recently that, you know, it, it, who could have thought in the 80s that something like the, the true internet would exist or that, you know, there would be these, the, the ability to, to literally upload something and have it, it with the press of a button literally instantly be across the world. Yeah. And, and that was the hope with the show was that it would, it would help you learn to be a better part of society, a better part of the world. And now the fact that, you know, you have Apple who is all literally all over the world um, and can instantly 
put the show on the service and be accessible to the world. I think that that is so exciting and it, it so honors, I think, what Jim's original hope for the show was. So I, I feel even more, I feel like, you know, when people say, why now, besides the fact that we need Fraggle Rock, like you just said, because we're, of everything that we're dealing with in this world right now, we need those messages and we need those characters and we need that reminder of who we should, how we should be. I also think that the technology exists now and the, and the connection exists now that we didn't have globally back then necessarily. So I, I feel like it's like that part of it, which I hadn't really thought about till recently. I was like, wow, like who would have thought in 1992 yeah. that this many years later, we'd be able to just go bloop and reach every single country instantly. I mean, that's just powerful. You're right. It's, it's like Jim Henson knew. He knew that, you know, that, that wasn't a, the technology wasn't there yet, but that's what he wanted. I, Wayne, you've seen that great video about Jim Henson invented YouTube. You've seen that, <laughs> that amazing video. Like, I'm like, yep, he probably did. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, I think there's, there was something, he was such a visionary. I think he, he always was 20 steps ahead above everybody else. And that's when people say like, you know, how would Jim feel about having CG characters? I'm like, he did it. I mean, Waldo was a CG character, you yeah. know? So it's, I think he was always wanting to use technology and wanting to, to use advancements in, 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 in tech to tell stories. And, and that's what we get to do now with this new series. And it's just, I'm just like mind blown that, that we're able to do that. It's super cool, but it is, yes, a great responsibility. Yes. <laughs> so it's taken very <laughs> seriously. Well, good luck. I, uh, I I'm I'm jealous that you get to work on the show, but at the same time, I'm not jealous of the fact that you you do have a lot of a lot of pressure and a lot of fans who are who are looking at you right now. Listen, I, I like I said, if you told seven year old Johnny that his dream would come true at 42 years old, and somehow it would kind of start in the again, like in his bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> right. The actual uh, no, it's very full circle, and so I feel I feel like without being cheesy or without being dramatic like I feel like my entire career was was preparing me for this opportunity so I feel like I finally get to use all that nerd knowledge that I used to like sit in the sidelines of Henson and be like actually that was in episode 73 when um you know Tosh Fraggle like like now I get to actually be like there's a character named Tosh Fraggle like you know it's like it's exciting to finally use that 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 childhood obsessive knowledge I so. totally hear you that's that's every day on topics for me <laughs> There you go. Finally, a use for all this you know. garbage in my head. Uh, you know. Does uh, does this mean that you're going to be playing more Fraggle music on your uh, Sirius XM show now to promote to promote the it's brand? So, you know, I should right. Yeah. I'm sure they would. I feel like I feel like you know my my boss at Sirius might be like, um, I'm curious, what Broadway show is is the Rock goes on from? I'd be like, oh uh, well, like, uh, but I know, right? You know, you, this, you say that. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, there was a, a, every, every Sunday, my parents would listen to this Broadway, um, like it was like basically a local channel that played Broadway music for oh, okay. four hours. And um, when I was really young, I would call to, to make a request. And every time I would call and just recommend, just ask for Muppet songs. And I'm sure they got really sick of me, but they would just like, they considered- I love you for that. They considered like songs from the soundtracks as Broadway, because they are, there's no difference between, you know, a song from a Muppet yeah. You know, Let me tell you something. Those, those Fraggle songs, like you know, they they really do. I mean, they they're incredible, and they they were written that way too, right? They were written poetically. The lyrics are poetic, and you know, yes, of course, you hear character voices, and you hear certain things that that might tip you off that it's a kids' show song. But I mean, honestly, you're right. Like some of those beautiful Moki ballads and stuff like that, like they could be Broadway songs. Why not? Sure, you're right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Change in the world. That's it. This Sunday, I'm putting it on. All right. We're all gonna listen to Sunday Fun Day. We're gonna hear. We're gonna hear you play some Fraggle tunes. You promise. Uh, so apparently, I've I've locked myself in now. <laughs> uh, so, are there any other projects that you're working on that you want to mention? Whether you're doing in quarantine or, or otherwise, or or is Fraggle Rock just taking up your entire life right now? Well, it's really mostly Fraggle Rock now. Uh, you know, I was I was supposed to do a lot, some theater pieces, but of course, you know, with with, with the quarantine, that's all kind of been pushed pushed to the side. Um, but there's some other really, I have to say, you know, uh, without being without being too much of a tease, like there's there's, um, it's such a good time to be a Henson fan right now. There's so much stuff that's coming down the the pipe the pipeline, and there's so many great things in the works. And and I feel like, and I get, I'm so lucky to be part of some of that and get to hear what's going on. And I feel like, um, you know, there's there, it's a, it's a good time. Let's put it that way. It's a good time to be a Henson fan. So okay. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, good yeah, tease. Good tease. <laughs> right it's a good tease <laughs> great well john thank you so much for doing this uh, it was uh, it was eye-opening i love talking about fraggle rock with you for, for all this time i'm looking forward to talking uh, more about fraggle rock with you as time goes on um hopefully next we... time on the set hopefully it'll be there yes. on the set. okay we'll make that happen i'm gonna i'm gonna come out We're to LA, make it happen. in la i'm gonna come out just so we can we can hang out in, in, in the rock Done and done, and 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 big love to all the the, the Tough Picks fans out there. Thank you guys for for keeping you know for keeping the magic alive and for being so to care so much about the characters and, and the company and everything. I mean, it does it is it is uh, we're very thankful and it's, it's noticed. It really is. So so thank you to everybody out there. Terrific. Thank you. Fifteen seconds to curtain is hosted and produced by Joe Hennis. Edited by Jared Faircloth. Logo artwork by Dave Haltine and Jay Fosian. Written by Gags Beasley and the Hat Rack. Theme music by Stacey Rosen. A Muppet Fan Podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com.